0: G'day, and thanks so much for checking out our year round carnival podcast. We just got to think it over, don't we? Podcast Network. It's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rofi, and Vince Accardi for Daily Sectionals. Nashra Willer, that was some ride. Uh, audio courtesy there, Darren Flindell. Uh, courtesy of Sky Racing. Wowie, <laughs> what yes. can you say, mate?
1: Yes, yes. Good morning, Rofi. Well, it was interesting. <laughs> I don't know if you remember Dallas Baker, but he called me from Jersey shortly after the race. Right. And he said, he goes, they finally worked it out. He goes, we were talking about it years ago about yes. it out <laughs> wide. I said, yeah, that's true. I said, oh, I, he goes, and do you remember when Murray was taking Abdullah over the coals because of what he did going out so far wide? He goes, have they finally cottoned on that that's the best part of the track, the fastest part? I said, yeah, it's true. I said, it's not something that we haven't talked about. The, th- the thing is, when the rail's out four, it takes a pretty, pretty brave person to go out that far. But then when you look at the data, you could see. They were absolutely crawling, and this 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 is what makes uh, I guess Nash so smart. Is he said, okay, well here's my chance because it's 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 another five six lengths faster out there, right? Right. And he he went for it, obviously brave risk, but it, it came off and it made him a star and further further validated that okay under that scenario you can get out there because really nobody. Attempted through the previous meeting at Ramwick, even the last couple of meetings at Ramwick, to get out there when they had a better chance as well to get out there, and that no one ever went there.
0: And, and as you say, though, I suppose it's a dual-edged sword. And we'll get we'll get to all the all the data of it, but the 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 equation is always: what's it going to cost me to get out that far? Yep, that's and, right. And so, because you mentioned the data, what, what what's your estimation in in doing it that way?
1: Well, he probably lost two to three lengths getting out there, yep. as you can see, it was because they had that magnificent overhead shot. Yes, and you can see it, and you can actually see the difference in the colour of the grass as well. Ralphie it was very evident, and he picked up an extra three for doing it.
0: And it can be something as simple as that's where they drive the, the cars up and down for <laughs> for years and years and years and years, that compacts the ground.
1: Well, it's always been said it's difficult for any cura- curator to be able to water the entire track in, in the same manner. Yeah. And then we, we've we always known there's a crown of the track about that ramwick about six off the fence. This is why there's fast ground there. And it's it's a lot more evident when you get out really wide. And it was years ago, probably not, a, not the best of looks, but if you remember, Ralphie, a number of years ago when we had really, really heavy tracks... All the riders a long way from the home turn, regardless of race shape, were already in the middle of the track coming to the turn, so they could all head to the outside. And perhaps the racing bodies probably don't like to see that, because it was becoming a little bit of a Hobart lawn system type profile, you know, get off the opposite side of the track so you can get into the fastest ground. And we just haven't seen it. But that's no knock on Ramwick. It's I'm a big believer that everybody should be doing their best to get the maximum advantage they can for their horses.
0: It's it's pretty simple there. So before we deep dive into the races, the actual track itself, uh gee, there's one thing you said Sunday, I think it was Saturday morning in our update podcast. Um, You, you, need, you need to get to another, another level here. This won't be a heavy 10, it'll be a heavy 12. How heavy was it?
1: Well, this is the thing. We started off race one. Okay, they're the young horses, 49.2. So I'm always a little bit cautious about... That's like heavy 12 plus, right? Yeah. So you just sit there and say, okay, let, let's see what happens as we get deeper into the races. And the three-year-olds came out and they ran around, in terms of raw figures, they were about 12 lengths faster, but we're still minus 36 and we're beyond <laughs> heavy 10, right?
0: So, so just again, when people are trying to consume your work, 36 lengths below benchmark. Yeah. That is I mean, deep.
1: It's, it's crazy. And then you get to all the other races and... The, there's the tail of the tape as you get deep into the races and we'll go to the very last race of the ca- or the second last race of the card. That was 30.6 and they were all having a go and, and the last race was 31. So we were really got the crystallisation that that track was a beyond a heavy 10, but yep. fantastic they were able to race on it because most race clubs would have to call them off. Well, there's that,
0: absolutely, as a, as a starting point. So, and, and, and just one more on that that topic, what what's what's a typical heavy track? Where does it start? Twelve, fifteen?
1: We get to sixteen. Yep. We're you know borderline S seven H eight. Yep. And then when we get to twenty five, you're at he- heavy ten.
0: So it's a good ten lengths heavier than a heavy ten. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that gives you sort of the, I mean, you like can, the insight.
1: Yeah, you can see I gave the adjustment fourteen point eight four. Yep. That, that's so, how heavy it was. So. To
0: break it down further, there has to be a factor that when it's bottomless as opposed to heavy 10, there are horses who have wet track capacity who still can't handle that.
1: Well, this is one of the challenges that you you do run into. There are different variances of heavy tracks, and it's going to determine whether you can get through that extreme versus something that's uh, more normalised, and it does have an impact. Conditioning has another big impact. Where you're exerting in the race will have another impact. Uh, yeah, there's so many factors, Ralph, and it becomes a lot more challenging. And then, of course, you can see on the day. This was the other big telltale of the day is when you look at the winners' profile. With the exception of think it over, all the winners came eight to eleven. Well, the last the last runner was just borderline outside the lanes thirteen. All the other winners came from eleven to eight to eleven off the fence. You know, yep. Lane's 8 to 11, sorry. It's just further proof that that's the fastest strip and there's not a big strip. So
0: we get to think it over. I think the first thing I said to you
1: on, on the Friday podcast
0: was how good a race is this? Think it over. is a star in Sydney over 2,000 metres. He's $34. Uh, and then we, we broke down as to why all these horses are going to run past him. What we know of think it over is he's a plus two to plus three range horse at best. What did he produce?
1: well this is it ralph he's he's turned up with a 2.4 best of the day so amazing that, that, consistent yeah.
0: but that ain't as much what what others have done
1: no 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 <laughs> far from it and saki who we all also had a real challenge around being able to handle a re- very heavy track but just so brilliantly ridden to get away with what it did going 21 links below benchmark was just phenomenal riding from car and everybody followed suit and this is the thing when you have this scenario and you're going so slow, the most important thing is you've got to be super close to the lead speed because once it comes on, and pretty much it came on inside the 800, it's going to be all about where you position on the grid and how close to the leader. Have a look at the squeezes in the race. I mean, some horses were squeezing in excess of 24 lengths on heavy, very heavy tracks. And the home straight was extremely heavy. It was a lot heavier than the week before, Ralphie. And I was expecting the opposite.
0: So what you're describing here, for those who have got uh, your data, of course, you can get the data via the Sizzlers, which is our Black Book product. We have got a fair head wobble that I'll I'll come up with, with with one of our Sizzlers from the big races. But what you're describing is an upside-down V. So uh, as far as, you know, breaking down the race into three sections, slow early pace, big move in the middle, and then a deterioration. That means when you're going to be deteriorating and everything's deteriorating, good luck trying to make ground on it
1: absolutely that's yeah. without question one of the big things but there were still some disappointments in my view as well
0: oh absolutely yes please talk us through <laughs> through some of
1: them well let, <laughs> let's let's start with animo well let's start with the blue jackets yeah animo is the, the 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 first one the horse was beaten at the turn no question now of course i am going to take into consideration say the squeeze was huge it was 22.6 was the rider doing everything it They could up until that point for sure, right? You're sort of sitting there and saying, okay, you're four lengths from the lead speed. It's a great spot to be. You're going pretty slow. A couple of lengths closer would make it even better for you, but it was never going to change the outcome. And the horse was beaten a long way from home. So I have to ask the question, if there was no stewards issue, there's only two factors left. Didn't handle the extreme heavy ground. That's a possibility, right? Yep. Or... There's just been a you know, a training error in turn and this horse has turned up flat. It can only be one or the other. Now, the, the the Cummings team, the Blue Jackets, these aren't mistakes that they make very often. So I'm obviously putting that on the low side, but that's a probability of because there's more than one runner on the day that just went terrible from their stable. So the question is, what did they do in that preparation from one run to the other? And obviously, the outcome isn't very positive.
0: And, and and the other thing, I suppose, it's just worth putting on the table. One of the fascinating, many fascinating parts about this sport is every, every race is a silo. Every race is its own situation. So they can have three bad runners on the day that have nothing to do with the fact they're all from the same stable. But... As you say, it's got to be something we are going to put on the table there. From Brett, any data on how bad the Blue Army runners were running in big races? Did they all just na- not handle the very heavy track? Well, they're all just flat. Animo, Colette, Emanate, Darren's asked something similar. Tough day at the office. He's included Crystal Pegasus. So we'll get to the Sydney Cup. So, yep. uh, yeah, as far as uh, Stewart's report, we can only uh, look at what, what was said there. Rider Tommy Berry reported the Colt came under severe pressure when the pace quickened at the 600, as you said there, Vince, appeared to lose confidence in the very heavy going and subsequently did not close off the race. -race, Post-race veterinary examination revealed the Colt to be displaying a poor recovery. Uh, Mr. James Cummings, unable to offer an explanation, said that he would be spelled. There you go.
1: Well, this is it. It's just all about how they prepared themselves going into the race. I was sort of hoping that that was going to end up being a plus because it was a very soft run last up. But I know we talked about in the podcast. One of the big things is the conditioning coming into a race is very important. But I, I felt that, especially an experienced stable like that, they would have had everything where they needed it. His communication on the morning of race day, what was very interesting, is firstly on Animo, he made it very clear. he Thought the horse was jumping out of its skin, like and was just going superbly. Now maybe I you know, maybe they aren't the exact words he used, but they were very, very glowing and positive. And he's a very straight talking individual and very he's generally very concise with his communication. Obviously with Colette though, this is talking about the Blue Jackets, he did make the statement that the horse was looking like that it could need two thousand. So that was interesting that he made that comment on race morning. But again, he couldn't fault the horse going into the race and I don't recall hearing him talk about emanate. That doesn't mean he didn't. I just might have been distracted at that moment. Uh,
0: a couple others uh, from the race here, and this is a member's questions, by the way. So our members, I must mention this, last week members got the best five performances of the Melbourne Group 1 season, which is always a really good document to use going forward. And next week, they'll get the best uh, five performances. This is our Group 1 members of the Sydney racing season. So uh, we look after people who look after us, and every Sunday you get an email, if you're a member, uh, inviting you to ask a question for the podcast from Darren Maguire. I uh, love the podcast. Keep the insights coming. In big race, it takes a special jockey in a split second to decide to go the outside rail like Nash did on Think It Over and guide the horse to an amazing win. I think I heard he was fine with a hit with a $40,000 fine for the ride. He didn't appear impeded on any horse as a matter of they ended up on that side of the track anyway. You paid to ride and give your horse the best opportunity to win the race from the best possible position you can in running. Well, it's, it's a it's a whip-use situation, so I suppose it had uh, nothing to do with anything else, but he made the right call, Vince, and he, he, he got all the
1: plaudits. Yeah, well, that, that's it. If it's a whip-use, then you're going to... Get the penalty, aren't you, Ralphie? There's no question about that because you couldn't you couldn't falter for anything else. But this is also one of the challenges, perhaps why no one attempts to go with it because you've got to be fairly aggressive on your horse <laughs> to get yourself there to maintain all the momentum. But ah, oh, it was stunning. I, I personally, for a, just peeling back for a second from a business point of view, it's very frustrating. There's so many different technicalities on how you can get beat, and it, and this this happens. We rely a lot, we rely very heavily that when we do our work that we you know, have an expectation that trainers and riders are always going to give their best. And, and by and large, that's exactly what happens. And this is what's great about the sport. We never have to really worry about that too much, Ralphie, right? And sometimes you are on and everything looks right, but the horse is either not well or just, just didn't turn up on the day or they were prepared incorrectly going into the race. These are things that can happen. It's part of the chaos formula. <laughs> There's... Uh, would, I, would I be fair
0: in saying, though, that with, with it comes the chaos theory, which is, well, have you previously said, what, about 20% of racing? Anything
1: 25% I allow so, for that.
0: There you go. Um, surely on bottomless tracks, the chaos theory goes up, doesn't it? Well. <laughs> because you got wet trackers who might be able to not handle it.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's always trepidation about sometimes not wanting to participate yep. on various things. But then some, some things just give you that, you have this high confidence because you can't detect any negatives, right? Yeah. And you you are taking a situation or a tech, you're taking the technicalities on your risks. They're, you're saying, okay, we've only got really one thing t- technically going against us. So, yes, the smart thing always, of course, under those scenarios and even with myself, you don't go and have A-grade bets, right, but you still participate. Well, like I did, I was uh, clearly in B and C-grade bets and, um, you know, I had two losers, one winner in Sydney in terms of collections, but this is what happens. No doubt. A couple others to have a look at
0: here from Paul's asked, rather talk us through I am Thunderstruck in play betting. Said he had a big chance with 600 to go. Faded, obviously. Is he a live hope now on a Cox plate or on a fir- S7 or firmer? So I suppose to, to extrapolate that question, uh, Vince, uh, what would be your thoughts on a good track can he run 2,000 to the brilliant level that he can run a mile? Can he run 2,000? Right. He certainly well, wasn't in your thoughts on Saturday, but I mean, obviously, no, it was a very no. heavy track.
1: The big thing is, for him, he's had the second biggest squeeze of the day. That was 24.6. And in that race, there was only one horse who had a bigger squeeze, and that was Mount Popper, who's a horse that gets through the wet very well. So the reality is, when we look at those two horses is probably the real key engagement. Mount Popper did come from a length behind it. Yep. And didn't produce the same in terms of just the split. And when we're talking about the split, we're just talking specifically between the six and the four, but the horse really tanked out badly. And perhaps if you look at the characteristics of this horse on this super heavy track, there can be question marks about it. It wasn't the golden scenario. And, yeah, there's no doubt if the track was dry, the horse may have been able to handle itself better. Just the prep leading into the race probably wasn't golden. So I wouldn't say no, no. Time will tell.
0: Yeah. Uh, one, one, to, one to finish with on this race, very elegant. Is there a chance the Melbourne Cup hurt her? Well,
1: it does to, for most horses. Yep. Uh, the reality is that's what generally does happen for a lot of horses. And even for me, I was surprised when I seen how well, the horse went even first up and then second up of course one. and then even the last run at rose hill leading to this there was plenty of merit in that performance it was it was solid enough given the structure but you know it could it be that this horse also found its challenges on a, on a very very heavy track hard to sort of knock it completely, Ralphie. You'll just have to sort of sit and wait. It could be one of those horses, like you said, Ralphie, just another level when you find these super bog tracks. No doubt. Okay,
0: El Patroness. This is my head wobble, Fins. Can we, yes. Can we? <laughs> sure, surely I can, I can put this one on the table. Yeah. Because El Patronis is a horse that uh, we really identified hard in the Sizzlers. It's easy to say something on a Monday, but this is what we said six weeks before. Minus 2.3 links below. Benchmark ranked 37th on the day. So this is a low benchmark. uh on, on the day, this was uh, Blue Diamond Day at Caulfield, is clearly aimed for further in a race like the AJC Oaks this time in has progressed with another excellent mid-race while stepping from 1,400 first up when minus 4.1 overall in a walking tempo race to 1,800 here. Aside from being trapped wide, she went from minus 8.5 to 800 before plus 1.1 mid-race, a solid 9.6 length squeeze. Last 400 with benchmark with the context when winning third up last pres- prep, she went a blistering unsustainable 7.5 to 800. Now that she's relaxing much better, the 2,000 range uh, back against her own sex looks ideal. A chance to sail past a minus 1.71 second the Caulfield Cup. Now she was unplaced at Moonee Valley, but we said on uh, Friday uh, this that race was faster than most Cox Plates. Yeah, and that brought her to a top.
1: It did, and I have to say, just an outstanding ride from Damien. Lane as well, Rolfie. I just thought it was outstanding.
0: Well, we mentioned Matt Nash. I think he's got to be—he's he's got to be mentioned in that in this company as the absolute top of the tree.
1: No question, because he could have easily led that field if he wanted to. Yep. Even with the speed that they were travelling, actually with the speed they were travelling for sure, right? Yep. And he was just so intelligent, and this is what Damian Lane can, can do. He, he took a sit. and that was just a. Golden move. And he took a sit camped on the pack, which is fantastic. He only had to give him a length and a bit head start. And then he made a brilliant move in the mid-race without overextending. Have a look at the mid-race move. It was only 4.4 compared to the majority of horses that are in the middle of the pack. Let's say someone like Honey is at the make a mid-race move of almost nine lengths. And there was a few others as well. And I think there was, was it Pink Ivy? There was the other massive note, wasn't Pink. it? was Hope in Your Heart. It was 11.8. Yes. So you could see what happens. And the reality is the f- horses at the top of the finishing order, one, two, and three, they were probably in the bottom five squeezes of the day. And that just tells you how brilliant the ride was. And you can't get too far back. And leading's not the greatest place to be unless you're it to perfection. So again, what we're talking about is an upside down V race shape. And, yep. uh,
0: and the, the less move you had to make at the 800, the more advantage you were. And, and by, by extension, that Gin Martini, 100 to 1, uh, leading at a walking pace, not having to do much in the mid-race, is able to hang on for third, uh, despite no profile at all.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then if you have a look, our patron is going 13.2 for the first two-thirds of the race. Minus 13.2. <laughs> yeah, minus 13.2, my apologies. Yep. And then you have a look at overall last 400, minus 13.3. So
0: it's legless, so is everything yep. else, Chapey. And, yep. and, and probably of the Blue Jackets disappointing pointing, uh, run, runs on Saturday relative to the market, Honey Creeper was probably the most explainable to the data because it's just too far back.
1: That Yeah, and, and the horse put in a massive effort. There's no doubt about it. Unfortunately, there it is, Just. You you know you just couldn't give that head start in the end to that type of race shape in ground conditions as the way they were. Uh, Knights Order win- wins the Sydney
0: Cup, a stunning front running ride from uh, from Rachel King. Rock hard fit, quick back up. Um, uh, uh, this is this is being Monday hindsight.
1: How did he how did he not make your cut fence in in your first th- thoughts? Well, he was always borderline. Yep. So I'm not going to say the horse wasn't because it had a very high wti i have a tendency to always go with uh, the class first yep and then if you've got a cluster of horses i tend to unless it's just a monster gap i sort of tend to want to leave it that way because you don't know 100 percent that ground condition prior to a race but this was one of those horses that was always borderline, but never surprised me because this horse did have a frank 3,200-metre profile like a bunch of other... We discussed this on Friday, yeah. Yeah, a bunch yeah. of other long price runners. So it was, for me, it was no surprise, but the ride was brilliant. Again, just a brilliant ride. It was a good speed for this horse, 16.6 below, given the, the nature of the ground condition and the distance of the race. Again, you have a look at the, the move. At, it's just so heaven. Look at the move at... The, between the eight and the four, the mid-race squeeze. It was only 10 lengths, Ralphie. And then there's a whole bunch of horses that are gar- that are squeezing anywhere between 19.3 and 24 lengths. Um, <laughs> well, I guess we want to talk about Pegasus, right? There it is, 23.9 length mid-race squeeze, the third biggest squeeze of the day. Under normal circumstances, being 10 to 12 off them, at a three thousand two hundred meter race, you could still have some sort of a chance, but you are diminished a lot because you're outside that elastic band. But imagine on a bottomless track like this, what chance have you got? You got none.
0: Yeah, I remember hearing Darren Flindell call it about that section of the race that the favourites are out the back here, and you, you just—it's just basic simple maths, isn't it, Vince? That if if the leaders haven't gone hard and they're increasing their energy at the eight hundred, good luck. Running him down.
1: Yeah, and, and you can see like Shiraz was so close to him and was able to hold on. And then you look at a horse like Shaw Fire and you say, okay, well, that, that not Shaw Fire, Ch- uh, Chalk Stream, that was the other key runner. That squeeze wasn't big, but that was a horse that you could clearly see was either conditioning or couldn't handle the super heavy ground because it actually just completely uh, blew up over the last 400 metres. And that's when you can see the clear evidence that that horse was either having problems handling that ground or just wasn't battle ready for that race.
0: So it'd been a dirty day at the office, and well, it was dirtier if you if you if you stuck with uh, the blue jackets there with Colette. But I'm just <coughs> looking at your race speed profiles, and this was a fair comeback. Vince, most of age. Ice Bath, Colette, and a Vistu, Nimalee, four horses, and uh, and they've run the trifecta at huge odds here. One of them being Nimalee at thirty one dollars, and a Vistu, Gutsy at sixteen dollars, running second. Uh, what? Uh, well, we can you can listen back to what we said on Sunday morning about how he introduced Nimalee and why. What did she end up doing on the clock?
1: Well, at the end of the day, there it is, 2.2, third best of the day. Under normal circumstances, you probably don't expect that to see that. You know, like being a top three performer of the day, given the nature of some of the other sort of highly talented horses that were there. But this is this is what's prevailed in terms of when I look at the structure of uh, for this horse it was fantastic in terms of the the ride. It's 14.2 lengths below benchmark, two and a half lengths off that lead. Speed, which was Anavisto, who was going at a reasonably fair speed. Probably the horse that was too, you know, in a impossible position was Ice Bath, who was nineteen point five. In other words, we're talking about eight lengths from the lead back. It's a hard place to come from, Ralphie. And that was probably one of the best performances of a, a non-winning position all day to actually get in on the podium, which was unbelievable. And then if we go all the way back down, we have a look at Colette, for example. Well.
0: She just didn't
1: turn up. Not in a winning position, but my goodness, it was horrific, right? It was horrific. The horse was another horse that was – Anima was beaten at the 400. This horse was beaten at the 800. And it was really weird, Ralphie, even for myself. Like, I ended up, you know, scaling down and had a C-grade bet on it because it was between that and Ice Bath. Of course, I made the wrong move myself, but I only did it because I I was so confident that I was going to be in a situation where this horse was going to be – ahead of Ice Bath, and it actually wasn't. I couldn't believe it, that it was actually behind it. I go, what? What's going on, right? And then when it came to finish, one was finishing, and managed to get third, and the other one just back to the stable.
0: What the hell went wrong? Stewards report here, Colette. Began awkwardly. Rider James McDowell reported the mare failed to travel at any stage of the event and when placed under pressure, taken the outside of the track on straightening, did not respond to riding and was disappointing. A post-race veterinary examination revealed the mare to be slow to recover. So uh, James it Cummings like said... the other you, horse. That's what I'm saying. That, that, that is one thing we can link up, uh, no doubt. Um, and James Cummings said the horse would now be spelled. So that that's the the four group ones as far as uh, questions from earlier in the day. Well, well Vince... This horse has been remarkable in, in Marzu, a horse that we really stamped hard on our, our Sizzlers uh, well, yes. going back to first up when it won in, in Rose Hill. Saying, and we actually wrote, it's going to be in for a big carnival if this continues to be a Sydney wet wet autumn. Well, we we'll certainly had that. Troy's asked, one of our great members here, Bit of chatter on the Seven coverage yesterday about Marzu, whether he's a legitimate Everest chance. Anything in the data? Back that up. Or are they getting a little ahead of, ahead of themselves? And I suppose we've got an obvious comparison here, given it's the Snowdens and they won the first two with Red Zell.
1: Well, it's hard to say, Ralphie. With the, yep. with the overall performance of 2.2, You know, heavy adjustments on the day, very small field. It's just so hard to make a call on whether it is or it isn't. But one thing's for sure, it's a horse that continues to do one thing, progress upwards, and placement from the stable is just phenomenal. I mean, this is what makes this particular camp so powerful. Did it peak in terms of overall performances? No. Uh, uh, The Rose Hill Run's still superior, 2.7, but never went past that. But I don't sit there and say because it never went past it, it means that's the best it can do. The reality is we've had these, you know, unbelievably wet tracks now we have a look at it. When it won on the heavy track at Ramwick, the raw figures was minus thirteen. When it won at twelve hundred meters at Rose Hill, two starts back, the raw figures were eighteen point six, another six and a half lengths slow. And here we are on the weekend, it's minus thirty point six. It's gone from heavy, 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 you know, super bottomless. And I'm I'm not saying this horse is like a, you know, phenomenal wet tracker, but it's just doing everything right.
0: No, absolutely, and and interestingly, I suppose the one comparison with Red Zell is um, he was he, he worked his way through the grades, and they, they took their time with him, and uh, and of course he certainly delivered, and he certainly handled wet tracks, So th- this far out, uh, we've got no real guidance on whether he could be a you know a plus six plus seven as a uh, as a dry tracker, which you typically need for an Everest, but on a wet track, there's a different uh, story, isn't it? Yes, exactly. All right, um, we're going to do one more Sydney podcast, and this week we'll make it nice and simple because of the uh, champagne stakes. Will be dominated by fireburner. Won't be, a, won't be a betting race. Well, it might be if you want to take the deep odds on. But what we'll do—it's all age stakes day. Vince, we might finally do something in Sydney that's pretty rare. It has been rare for a while. We might have a fair fight with the uh, with the track condition.
1: Well, it's been a great experience so far. <laughs> to because what happens is you learn a lot about many things about yourself you learn a lot about how you have to rework your data in terms of you know the forensics in turn you know from when you go through an analytic point of view it, it does it teaches you a lot this is not something that i can say to you has happened very often in terms of ground conditions so i i, I take it as been good experience and if we're on good tracks well it's going to be a whole new ball game because we might just get some dark horses that come out of the closet
0: so uh, I'm looking at the, the Bureau, Bureau of Meteorology website saying 5 to 10 mil on Wednesday, but then 1 to 5 Thursday, only a 10% chance on Friday and only, well, point four of a mil Sunday. Saturday. So with a bit of luck, drawing ground, we'll get a fair fight. So what we'll do on the Friday, uh, we'll do the quaddy legs. So the all-age stakes will be a feature. There's some other terrific races, I think group two, group three races. So we'll just make it nice and simple. We're going to cover the quaddy legs on their Friday podcast, and there'll be an updated uh, option for the Saturday, uh, upgraded option rather for the Saturday, which will include the five final edition of Race Speed Profiles. All Vince Riccardi's work via dailysectionals.com.au or mine via racetrackrally.com.au including where you can get the uh, podcast via the events section.